Well, we're, Lord willing, <laughs> going to finish this today. <laughs> uh, we've been looking at this issue of uh, baptism and kind of looking through the book of Acts um, about baptism here because, again, there's many times people will go to the book of Acts and try to teach that baptism is part of salvation. Um, and the thing that we have to remember, the most important, well, Maybe I shouldn't say the most important thing, but one of the most important things we have to remember about the book of Acts is what? The book of Acts is what? It is a transitional book, right? It's a transitional book. So when we say it's a transitional book, what do we mean by that? What do we mean when we say it's a transitional book? That's right. It's going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, right? It's a transition. They're transitioning because before... Obviously, you had Judaism, right? And then now you've had the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now the church is being established. The church is being started. And so there's a transition that's taking place between the two, right? And obviously, whenever you have a transition like that, there's obviously going to be some overlap in some areas, right? And so we have to be very careful when we're reading through the book of Acts that we don't take, um, you know, don't take something that is in a transitional period and just all of a sudden now we're going to make this major doctrine, right, where nowhere in Scripture does the Bible ever say that baptism is part of salvation, but then when we come to the book of Acts, we'll find something where it almost seems like maybe it's a, a is it kind of it, is it not? Uh, so we have to remember that Acts is a transitional book, okay? Uh, obviously, God is still working through the power of the Holy Spirit. The apostles are now going out. Uh, the church is being established, and, and it's going, um, but there's, there's a transition that's taking place, right? Uh, there's always that transition when you have uh, two things come together, okay? Um, so we've been kind of looking through here. If we go back to Matthew chapter 3, because we've been kind of looking, because you have the baptism of John, right? Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3. In verse number one, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? So what was John's message? What was John's message? Come on, what was it? In verse number one, what was it? Repent, repent right? Was John's message baptism? Was that his message? No. What was, it? What was he preaching? Repent. Repent. Right? That's what he says. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Jesus, saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? So his message is repentance. Okay? It's repentance. Okay? And then it says, down in verse uh, number 5, Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruit meat for repentance. So again, sometimes people will take, well, look, he says in verse 6, they were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Well, that's fine. Is that what they were doing? Yes. They were confessing their sins. For salvation? No. No. What was his message for salvation? What was his message for salvation? Repent. <laughs> the message doesn't change, right? It's repent, 
That's, that's his message for salvation, repent. Okay? So then baptism, why is he baptizing them and they're confessing their sins? Right? We were talking about this. That baptism was a, a symbol of, again, this baptism, as John is beginning to baptize, baptism was not foreign to the Jews. Okay? Um, they had what they called the mikveh bath. This was a, uh, a type of baptism that the Jews observed. It was a ceremonial thing. And they would do it before, like, um, they would do it before feasts. They would do it, like, when young men were going to go to their bar mitzvahs and things. They would be a part of these mikveh baths, okay, uh, which was what they would call, like, a baptism. It is a complete, total immersion, okay, complete, total immersion, okay. So it's not that they were unfamiliar with baptism, but John is showing them it is simply, as they were looking at it, as a symbol of cleansing, as they are looking forward to the one who is going to come to redeem them, right? He's pointing them to Jesus, okay? So again, we need to be careful when we say that John's baptism was a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why do we have to be careful by saying that? Because there was no death, burial, and resurrection yet. They didn't know that there was going to be a death, burial, and resurrection yet, okay? So we've got to be careful. Well, John was showing a picture of what Jesus was going to do. Well, we can look back and we can say, well, yeah, that was a picture of what Jesus was going to do because we're on the other side of the cross, right? What do they say? Hindsight's always 20-20, right? But John didn't know that. John didn't know that Jesus was going to be crucified. John didn't understand that. The disciples didn't understand that. That was not something they were looking at. Okay, Now, on the other side of the cross, as we are seeing baptism, yes, we can see the picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ through that. Okay, um, And so John is, is preaching repentance, and then they're baptizing as a symbol of their repentance. Okay, They're getting baptized, confessing their sins. That's why when the religious leaders came out to the baptism, baptism, <laughs> baptism, Okay, when they came out to the baptism, what did he just tell them in verse number eight? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. What is he saying? There is no repentance in your life. You don't, you don't, you don't acknowledge that you're a sinner, talking to the religious leaders. You're not willing to admit that you're a sinner. You're not willing to admit that you're wrong. So he says, look, this isn't for you. This is only for those who have repented. And that not that what we would say today? Baptism is only for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They've repented of their sin, put their faith in Christ. Okay? So baptism, again, today, it symbolizes repentance and that commitment to follow Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, they've already been saved. It identifies with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, John's baptism, a person had repented of their sin and therefore was ready to place their faith in the Messiah that was going to come. And that's what John says, right? He's pointing to the one that is going to come. And we saw that look in Acts chapter 19. Uh, Paul makes that very clear. Acts chapter 19. Verse number 4. Acts chapter 19, verse number 4. He says, Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, 
saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. So John is preaching repent because there's somebody coming after me that you need to believe on. There's somebody coming after me. Remember, even the Jews came and said, are you the Messiah? Are you the one, are you the one that's the Messiah? He said, no, 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 I'm not the Messiah. There's one coming after me, right? Somebody's coming after me. He's the one who you need to believe on, okay? So John was always pointing them to Jesus. But the repentance and the baptism was simply the preparation to believe in that one who was coming, okay? So as we think about this, right, John is preparing the way for Christ by calling people to acknowledge their sin and their need of salvation, okay? That's what he's doing, okay? His baptism was that purification ceremony meant to ready the people's heart to receive their Savior, to receive the one who is going to come, the Messiah. And that's why later on, what does John say? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It wasn't the baptism that took away the sin. It wasn't John that took away their sin. It's the Lamb of God who's going to take away their sin. Okay? It's that baptism, right? Now, so let's kind, of, let's kind of look at some passages here in Acts chapter 19 that deal with baptism, okay? Um, and if there's, and if, as we're going through this, if you need to, somebody needs to, uh, you know, if you need to raise your hand, stop me for something, that's, that's quite all right. Look in Acts chapter 8, okay? So in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 8, Because in this transition period, there are two things that we find in dealing with the Holy Spirit, okay? When, now again, we're talking talking New Testament, we're not talking Old Testament, okay? In the New Testament, when does a person receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? In the New Testament, when does a person receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? When they accept Jesus as their Savior, right? A person receives the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells, lives inside of a person the very moment that they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, okay? And we find that throughout Scripture, okay? In the Old Testament, believers were not indwelt with the Holy Spirit, The Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit could leave. But in the New Testament, we have what we call the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit seals us, the Bible says very clearly, until what day? What day? The day of redemption, right? What is the day of redemption? What's the day of redemption? The rapture, it's when Jesus Christ comes and takes us back to be with him, right? That's the day of redemption. He's coming back for his purchased possession, okay? We are the purchased possession. We've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, okay? So we are sealed, the Bible says, and there in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 4, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. We cannot lose the Holy Spirit, okay? You cannot lose the Holy Spirit of God. In the Old Testament, they were not sealed with the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, they are. See, there's, there's a difference here, okay? So let's go with me to the book of Acts, okay? Acts chapter 8, and you have 
Philip, who has gone down to Samaria, in verse number 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. So Philip goes down to Samaria. He's preaching, and people are getting saved, right? He's preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. Look in verse number 12. But when, when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. So they're listening to Philip's message, and what's the first thing that they do? Believe. They believed the message. They believed what Philip was saying was true. And then after they believed, what was the next thing that they did? Baptism, right? They believed, and then after believing, they were baptized. See, it wasn't baptism that caused them to be saved. It was their belief, okay? So both men and women, he says, okay? All right? So then jump down with me to verse number 14. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, so the apostles are still in Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost? Now wait a minute. Hold on a second. I thought we just said that in the New Testament, and wouldn't we consider Acts chapter 8 New Testament? I mean, this is after the death, burial, and resurrection. This is after the day of Pentecost. This is now Philip, who was one of the first deacons in Acts chapter 6, ends up going to Samaria preaching, and people are getting saved down there. So when did those people in Samaria receive the Holy Spirit? Did they receive the Holy Spirit when they believed, or did they receive the Holy Spirit when Peter and John came? Did they believe in verse number 12? That's what it says. So in the New Testament, when does a person receive the Holy Spirit of God? What's that? When they believe. So did they receive the Holy Spirit in verse number 12? Yes, they did. Again, if we're, gonna, we're being biblical here, right? We know that a person receives the Holy Spirit the moment that they believe in Jesus Christ. Okay? So if they believed in verse number 12, what did they receive in verse number 12? The Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, Pastor, but I am so confused now because it just said in verse number 15 or verse number 14, when, when they asked them if they had received the word of God or they heard that they'd received the word of God, they sent Peter and John when they were come, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. So did they receive the Holy Spirit in verse number 12 or did they receive the Holy Ghost in verse number 15? What is the one thing that we always, always, always do when looking at Scripture? 
What is it? Whenever we're studying Scripture, what is the one, the very most fundamental thing we have to do? Context. 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 Right? I can stop at verse number 15, but does, John, or does Acts chapter 8 stop there? No. And by the way, this is what a lot of false religions do. They'll take you to one verse and show you one verse and be like, uh-huh, you see here? Uh, you don't receive the Holy Spirit until somebody lays hands on you and prays for you. Well, let's look at the context, right? So watch. Verse 16. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay. Verse 17. Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Okay. Verse 18, and when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. So what's the key here? What's the key here? There's one word that is the key to this whole passage. Miss Leslie? The word saw. Not S-A-W as in you have a saw and you're sawing a piece of wood but S-A-W as in seeing, right? Look what it says. When Simon saw, let me ask you a question. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit indwelt you, did anyone see that happening? No. In fact, Jesus says it's impossible to see. Jesus said you can't see it. Remember John chapter 3? He's talking to Nicodemus. He says, being born again, being born of the Spirit, is what? Like the wind. You cannot see the wind. You can feel the effects of the wind. You can see the effects of the wind. You can see the trees blowing. You can feel the breeze, but you cannot see the wind. And this is what he said. So is he that is born of the Spirit. So when somebody is born again and the Holy Spirit indwells them, you cannot see that. But it says they saw this. So that means there must be something different that he's talking about here. There are two things taking place here, right? Again, this is why it's so important to remember that the book of Acts is a transitional book. Because there's two things taking place. They receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in verse number 12 when they believed. But when Peter and John laid their hands on them, what was it about the Holy Ghost that they received? The what? Okay, we could call it the power or the gifts of the Holy Ghost. The gifts of the Holy Ghost, right? Now, again, here's where uh, the charismatics and people really get confused, right? Because they believe that every Christian has the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When we're talking about the sign gifts, we're talking about what Jesus says in Acts chapter 16 when he says, those of you that believe, you will speak in new tongues, you'll cast out demons, you'll take up serpents, you won't be hurt, you'll drink poison and you won't die. 
Uh, you'll speak in unknown tongues. He says, those are going to be to those that believe. And so the charismatics take that and say, well, anybody that believes should be able to do that. Wrong. It's not anybody that believes. He wasn't talking to everybody. He was talking to 11 guys. He was talking to 11 disciples who he had just rebuked for their unbelief. They did not believe when people came and said he was risen from the grave. They didn't believe. And so now he's telling them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if you'll believe me and you'll obey me, these signs will follow you. Right? So these sign gifts, these five that we talk about in Mark chapter 16, uh, you, can, you can go back and read that a little bit later. But those fi five, if only six of those 11 would have believed Jesus and gone out, only six of those 11 would have had these sign gifts. But we know the Bible says that all of them believed and they all went out. They all had these signs. Okay? Now remember, hold, hold your place here in Acts chapter 8, right? We're going to come back to that. Let's jump over to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10. Now, please, please, please do not get what we call the sign gifts confused with the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. Understand me? Right? Don't get these two confused. There is the sign gifts of the Holy Spirit, but there are also spiritual gifts, right? What would spiritual gifts be? We read about these in the book of Romans and the book of Corinthians. What are the spiritual gifts? Somebody tell me a spiritual gift. Teaching. Teaching is a spiritual gift. What's another one? Edifying. It's a spiritual gift. Somebody tell me another one. What? Mercy is a spiritual gift. Administration is a spiritual gift. Right? Uh, let's see, there's, there's several others I'm trying to think. Somebody... Anyway, so those are the spiritual gifts, okay? And um, we're actually going to be getting to those as we go through the book of Ephesians in our Sunday morning series. We'll get into those a little bit later. But those are the spiritual gifts. The sign gifts are different. The sign gifts are speaking in tongues, healing, casting out demons, uh, being bitten by a snake and not dying like the Apostle Paul was, right? Uh, drinking poison and not dying. Those are sign gifts. And the purpose of the sign gifts was what? What is the purpose of the sign gifts? Brother Rob? Okay, it shows the power of God. That's true. But, okay, so I know you're in Acts chapter 10. Hold your place there in Acts chapter 10 and in Acts chapter 8. And go back with me to Mark chapter 16. And I still don't think we're going to finish it today. <laughs> it's okay, though. So in Mark chapter 16, so he gives them the great commission in verse number 15. He tells them the signs that will follow those who will go and preach in verse number 17 and 18. And notice in verse number 20, after Jesus has ascended up on high, says, And they, the eleven, went forth and preached everywhere. Now watch this. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs 
following. Right? So these signs, there was a purpose for the signs. What did the sign, what these sign gifts do? What did they do? Ms. Amy? They were proving that the message that was being preached was from God. Right? Now, why is that important? Why did they need to know that this message was from God? That's true. There, there were sorcerers and things like this, so to prove that it wasn't you know, another power, that's true. But something, another reason. Ms. Lisa? Okay, for the unbelieving Jew, but, but why? Why, is it for the, why, is it, why was it for the Jews? Again, think with me. What's happening in the book of Acts? Transition. You're going from Judaism, the old covenant, to grace, the new covenant. Now there is a Messiah to believe in. As Miss Amy said, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Well, you're telling me that Judaism is, is no longer to be followed? Right. Well, how can you say that? Because Jesus Christ has come and he fulfilled it all and he is the Lamb of God. Well, how do we know that? How do we know that? What do we have? We have signs following to prove the message. The signs were to prove the message, right? Remember, go back with me to Acts chapter 10 now, really quick. Acts chapter 10, verse number 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. So Peter's preaching. Those who are listening believe, and what happens? The Holy Spirit falls upon them, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. So these are believing Jews who have come with Peter. They're astonished. Why? Remember, Peter is preaching to a Gentile. Cornelius was a Gentile. His family were Gentiles. His servants were Gentiles. He's preaching to Gentiles. To the Jews, the Gentiles could not be saved. But yet here is Peter preaching to the Gentiles, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. How in the world did they know the Holy Spirit fell on them if the Holy Spirit cannot be seen when he indwells a believer? Watch. Verse 46 for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. What was the purpose of the sign of them being able to speak in tongues? So that these Jews would believe that even Gentiles could be saved. The purpose of the signs was not just to use however they wanted or whenever they wanted. The purpose of the signs, of the sign gifts of the Holy Spirit was to prove the message, okay? Now go back with me to Acts chapter 8, right? Just go back a couple pages real quick. Acts chapter 8. What do we find here? In verse number 12, they believed they received the Holy Spirit of God. But in verse number 15, John and Peter lay hands on them they pray for them that they might receive the holy ghost 
And it says in verse 17, then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. What was this? Was this the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? No, no, no. They received that in verse number 12. So what was this receiving of the Holy Ghost? Well, we're told that in verse number 18. And when Simon saw, what did he see? He saw them receive the Holy, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, just like the believers in verse in chapter 10 did. They saw something. And, and again, they either spoke with tongues or whatever, and that's why uh, this guy Simon, he says, wow, this is amazing. Now, let me, if you cannot see something, you're not going to be like, I want to pay money for that. Right? I mean, these people are just sitting there, they're believing, and, Paul, and, and Simon's like, I don't know what's happening, but this is pretty amazing because they're just sitting there. I think I'm going to pay money for this. No. It was when they received the gift of the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in tongues and do things that Simon was like, whoa, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty powerful. I'm actually willing to pay money to get that kind of power. See, there was something different about this right? These signs were to prove the message, right? But now here's, here's the thing we have to understand about the signs, okay? When we're thinking about these sign gifts, wait a minute, who had preached in Samaria? Who had seen all these people saved in Samaria? Who? Philip, So if Philip was already there and he was already preaching and all these people were getting saved, why didn't Philip lay his hands on them and give them the Holy Ghost to do these signs? Philip's there. He's preaching. People are getting saved. In fact, Philip is doing miracles. Did you see that Philip was doing miracles? In Acts chapter 8, look what it says. Um, Verse 7, for unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many that were possessed. Many taken with palsies were lame, were healed. Philip is doing miracles. Philip had, guess what? The sign gifts. That was, that, those were the sign gifts, right? Being able to heal and do miracles and cleanse people, that was the sign gifts. So Philip has the sign gifts. He received the, 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 the Holy Spirit. He has the gift of the, 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 the sign gifts to be able to do these things. So then why didn't Philip lay his hands on these believers and pray for them? Why did Peter and John have to come from Jerusalem if Philip is already there? Joe? Because Philip and John brought other Jews with him? No. Miss Donna? That's exactly right. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave the sign gifts to the apostles. Those 11. And then, of course, later on, Paul comes in as the 12th. The apostles 
could give the signs to someone else, like they did with Philip. Remember, Philip was one of the first deacons. They laid their hands on Philip, and they gave him the sign gifts. But here's the problem. Philip could not give them to anybody else. Stephen, obviously we know Stephen was martyred, but even Stephen could not give them to anybody else. Why? He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't the one they were given to. They were given to the apostles. The apostles could give them to someone else, but that person could not give them to anybody else. And here's why. The purpose of the sign gifts were never intended to be perpetual, never-ending. Now, the charismatic will tell you that's exactly what the sign gifts are. All, everybody throughout all generations, up till today, we have the sign gifts. Wrong. We don't have the sign gifts today. We don't speak in tongues. We don't cast out demons. We don't heal, and we don't do those things. By the way, if you get bitten by a rattlesnake, you better go to a hospital. You say, well, you just don't have faith. Uh, no, I have faith that that rattlesnake bite can kill me. And I'm going to go to the hospital as soon as I can. Because it wasn't given to us. It was given to those 11 apostles. They could give it to Philip, but Philip couldn't give it to those people there. And that's why Peter and John had to come from Jerusalem. By the way, guess who Peter and John were? They were one of the original apostles. They could give it to someone else, like Philip, but Philip couldn't give it to anybody else. Why? It was never intended to go on and on and on and on and on. The purpose of the sign gifts, again, remember, was what for purpose? To prove the message of the Word of God. Why? Because Acts is a transitional book. Was there a church, was the New Testament church there before the book of Acts? No. But watch what happens. When you get to the end of the book of Acts, guess what you don't hardly see anymore? You don't see any sign gifts anymore. Why? Because now the church is established. The message is known. It's been validated. All, for these years and years, the message has been validated by these signs, like what's happened in Samaria and in Ephesus and all these different places. It's been validated. There's no question now whether this message really is of God. The church is being established. And so what happens? You don't need the sign gifts anymore. They're no longer needed. By the way, once the apostles died and those that they gave them to, like Philip, once they died, guess what also dies with them? The sign gifts. There's no sign gifts. For sign gifts to still be around today, it means one of the 12 apostles has to be alive. That would be a miracle in itself. They're not alive. They're dead. Because they're the only ones that could give it to someone else. Even if Philip himself was still alive today, guess what? He can't give it to anybody. That's why Peter and John had to come from Jerusalem. And that's why when they laid their hands on them, they received the, the sign gifts of the Holy Ghost. And that's why when Simon saw, he saw it, he said, boy, I, I want that power. I don't have that power. Simon was a sorcerer. And he said, I don't even have that power. I want, I'll pay to get that power. 
And so that's why, again, you've got, to, you've got to remember when we're going through the book of Acts, it is such a transitional book that Judaism is, is, there's still a lot of it in the early church, right? That's why when you go to, um, in Acts chapter 15, what do you find? They're trying to say, hey, no, you've still got to follow the law. Why? Because it's still, it's still trying to, we're still trying to get out of Judaism. We're still trying to get out of the Old Testament. We're trying to establish the New Testament, the church. But yet they're, they're, they're kind of in both, and they're trying to pull them together. And Paul says, and God says, no, you can't pull them together. They're two separate things. You can't have them together. But there is some transition here in the book of Acts. And so that's why we've got to remember, okay, when going through the book of Acts, there's a transition time, Okay. And we did not get to finish. How many of you, it's helped clear up some things maybe a little bit. Anybody? How many of you are more confused now? I hope you're not more confused. Maybe a couple of you. That's, that's all right. That's great, right? If there's something you're confused about, please uh, let me know. Send me an email or a text message or tell me, Pastor, could you explain this a little bit more? I'm not exactly sure uh, what's happening here because, um, you know, I do want to, I, I know we've got people waiting and I want to end um, in things, but, um, but if, it, if there's something still confusing, please let me know because this is important because this is where the charismatics go all, all off on this sign gifts and things. And you've got to understand there's a difference between the sign gifts of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are not the same thing, nor is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. They're two different things, okay? Um, and so it, it's so important that we really get a good understanding of these things, all right? Well, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, just thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us. Uh, Lord, just give us understanding in this. Bless the service to follow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you are released here, dismissed. <laughs>